This is Jerry for the JRI-RIGG.com. The Jerry Rig Media Center allows you to take all of your media, your movies, your TV shows, your iTunes, and watch it on your TV. You can watch thousands of TV shows and movies for free on one of the 332 pre-installed add-ons. And with Community Porthole, you have the possibility of thousands more. The Jerry Rig will make you want to set fire to your Amazon Fire, chuck your Apple, and laugh at your cheaply designed plastic Roku. Because the Jerry Rig is made from a machine-tooled, military-grade aluminum body. And not only is it affordable, but it does not have a monthly fee. I know. It sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it is. But it is actually true. Visit jri-riggg.com for more info. That is jri-riggg. And, by the way, it can also play all of your retro video games. That's jri-riggg.com. A Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power. Super power. You're the king, I tell you! You're king! Only for Super NES. Listening to the SNES podcast with your host, Soul Blazer. Greg, a.k.a. Soapblazer. Welcome to Super NES Podcast. This is episode number 35. We're going to be discussing uh, the Koei War Strategy Slash Simulation Game PTO2 in today's episode, which is in a kind of obscure game that's always been a favorite of mine for reasons that we'll talk about here in a moment. I want to start off this episode of the podcast by talking about some major announcements and some changes that are happening to happened to the show. I posted these recently uh, on the Facebook page, but I also want to mention it here in the podcast for those of you who, for those of you who don't who don't use Facebook or have not been online recently. 
Um, the first biggest change is that I have finally been able to get another co-host. Um, I'm very pleased to announce that George uh, Vesper, who I've co- who I'm co-hosting with the PlayStation, Pod- the PlayStation Power podcast, and also hosts the Sega Master System, uh, uh, so, sorry, Sega Master Masterpieces. Uh, podcast on the Sega Master System. He's going to be joining me on on this show as a new as a new co-host. He should be on for the next episode. I'm not sure what game that's going to be yet. We're talking about the several, the, the several possibilities like right now. But George and I have worked well in the past. He's gotten he's been on this podcast before in the past to talk about UN Squadron with us, and I'm very happy that he's been able to find the time to join me on here. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, second, I'm also very pleased to announce that we now have a sponsor. I was contacted. Um, uh, I was contacted, uh, like by Jerry uh, of the uh, GRI Dash Rig uh, company uh, last week um, about a possible sponsorship offer, and we've talked about it for a while. I've been able to hammer things out, and this is the first episode that he's sponsoring. The sponsorship is going to last for three months, and it, and the episode is going to have the bumper. Uh, he's going to have a bumper from him at the start of the podcast, like you heard. Um, beyond that, uh, beyond that, in a short radio read, uh, there's not going to be any immediate changes to the podcast. So you don't need to like worry about that. Um, there's more details online, but the uh, GRI Rig Media Center is basically an all-one multimedia um, emulation device. That not only that, uh, that not only is a free media center that you can use to stream TV and to be able to watch DVDs and that kind of stuff. It also has a wide number of support for a, a, a wide range of, a wide range of systems. At least about twenty I saw like online. Uh, I, I saw online just from the list. So. In that manner, it's kind of similar to Recon Five, except for the fact that the system that the system supports it supports a much a much larger number uh, a much a much larger number like of emulators. Uh, the, con- the, the the system comes with controllers and hookups, and you load like you load ROMs onto it uh, that you. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, and you load ROMs onto it um, that you have, uh, like in legally own, uh, like through an SD card, and you get to play your games that way. Um, there is further information, like online, uh, like on the website, which is at www.gri-rig.com. Um, we're also having a contest to help to promote, to help to, to help to promote this and the sponsorship. The contest is open as of today, December 12, 2015, and the winner like, will be announced on March 11, 2016. Uh, the grand prize is going to be a JRI Rig Media Center, uh, the Silver Gaming Edition. Uh, it's free to enter. You have to... Uh, I, uh, unfor- uh, uh, the one, the, the two restrictions are, are that you have to live in the United States and you have to be 18 or, or older to, to take part. And in order, in order to enter the contest, you have to do these three things. Uh, follow JRI Rig on Twitter. Uh, his handle is at JRI underline Rig. Um, the Twitter link's also available on the website. Uh, send, send a direct message on there, uh, saying SNES rocks. And you also have to like and follow the Super NES podcast page uh, on Facebook. Um, doing those three things, I'm not entering the contest, and I will announce like announce a winner, um, like through a fair, uh, a fair and impartial manner. I'll probably just use archive.org or something like that. Um, uh, uh, March them 2002, March them 2016. There are going to be some secondary prizes, like about some coupon codes, also, uh, also like for those, like for those who. Um, I uh, like for some other uh, first place winners. 
there's also available to all the listeners out there a coupon code. Um, if, you, if you decide to go to the website and buy one of these devices, uh, if you use the coupon code SNES Podcast, all in lowercase letters, you'll save $5 off anything in the store. So I highly encourage you all to check it out. So I'm very... Very happy to have a sponsorship. Uh, this money will be put to good use, helping to pay for hosting costs and also helping to help some other podcasters out there uh, to be able to help with their shows and whatnot. So I'm also being sent for very generously free of charge, uh, like by Jerry, uh, one of these one of these JRI uh, rake centers to, to try out. So it should be here in a few days. I'm, I'm very looking forward to, to trying it out and putting it and putting it like its paces. I will post a review on the on the Facebook page like after like after I had a chance to try it out and. Uh, and I, and I am going to be able to do a fair and impartial review uh, like the product. Also, speaking about hosting, uh, I um, uh, I want to give a um, uh, Leon from the Our Brooklyn Bites podcast a very special thank you. He was able to help me find four missing episodes of the podcast that that Alessandro and I did uh, that I accidentally lost when I moved over from Potomatic to. Uh, to Lipson, my fault. So thank you very, very much for helping me out with that, Leon. Um, I'm going to be slowly uploading those four episodes this month. Um, I should have all those, all those back episodes uploaded to, like by the end of the month. So thank you for your patience, like help me to get these, uh, like help me get this backlog finally, like finally if I taken care of. Um, also, uh, I'm also going to announce on here that sometime in the next several weeks, I'm also going to, I'm also very pleased to get it, pleased to have Ferg, the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, uh, on the podcast here, here with me again. He's a big pinball fan, we're going to be talking about one of the exclusive pinball games that they owe for Super NES, Super Pinball Behind the Mask. So that would be a fun episode to have him, like, back on the podcast. Uh, there's some other possible guest appearances that are also, that I'm also working on trying to come up in the next, like, several weeks. So stay tuned for all that. Finally, the podcast is now over a year old. I want to thank all of you out there like for support and for your appreciation of the podcast and for listening to it. Uh, you've all been wonderful, like if your comments and suggestions and feedback, and I really appreciate uh, all, of you, all of you for checking out the podcast. So, well, that's enough of a, um, uh, news and updates. Let's talk about the game. This game is called PTO2, and it's made by... Like made by a Japanese company, uh, Koai. Uh, we've covered a Koai game here before in the past, uh, Uncharted Waters: New Horizons, uh, like in a previous episode. Koai is mostly known today for its Dynasty Warrior series, uh, but they've also done a large number of strategy simulation games over the years. And since I'm a history major, I've always had a I've always had a great love for strategy and simulation games. And this game particularly hits a sweet spot for me because I majored in history, and I did my thesis in grad school also to get my American history degree on the carrier operations of the American Japanese in the Pacific War in World War II, which is, which is, which is the theater that this, that this game takes place in. So this game's always been a long-time favorite of mine. I bought it shortly after it came out, and because early emulators had problems running this game successfully due to its large size, this is the game that, that, that caused me to keep my Super NES hooked up for the longest. I did not finally take my Super NES out uh, from the hookup and put it in the storage until about 2000 or so. That's when I mean they just finally got good enough that, that they could run this game without any issues. So, um, so uh, this game is the second in a series of four games called PTO, which stands for, which stands for, which stands for Pacific Theater of Operations. The original game, known as simply as PTO, came out uh, came out in 1992 and came out for and came out like for both the Genesis and the Super NES. PTO2 originally came out in Japan on the 
um, like on the PC, uh, and also on the NEC PC-9801 system, where it also had a, where it also had an expansion pack available available for it. Uh, the game is very popular in Japan. Uh, the game is very lovingly created by people working on both sides of the ocean. So there were both Japanese and American, American people who who, uh, who who designed and created the game. And it really shows a very uh, it really shows like of its love uh, of the game and how deep and engaging that it is. The um, Super NES version of the game came out in the Japan in February of 1995 and came out in the U.S. in December of 1995. There was also the next year a Saturn version of the game as well, which came out in Japan in February of '96 and Japan and the United States in October of '96. This game is very, very similar to the Super NES version; it just has some cutscenes that got it onto it. Curiously, this game was never ported to, was never ported to Genesis like the first game was. I don't know why. I think the system could have handled it, but they're lost. <laughs> so. Um, the PC version of the game is quite different uh, to the Super NES version. It's available online that you can find. Uh, it has more of an arcade feel to it in some areas, I think, um, and it's more simplified in some ways. So I, so I think the Super NES port of the game is probably the best one out there. Um, the game is a cult favorite. It really didn't sell all that great, but the reviews of the game were very positive for those, for those people who really enjoy games like this, as that's myself. Sales were not strong enough to warrant the next game in the, in the series, PTO three being uh, coming uh, coming out in the West, but PTO four was PTO four was released on the released released on PlayStation two, um, but this game was very different. That was more of an action uh, game. We it's like we assembled assembled fleets and and fought them against each against each other. The strategic element of the game was greatly reduced. So I really didn't enjoy that enjoy that game like as much as the second game. And PTO two is really just an expanded version of an expanded version of the first game. There's more scenarios, more options, more ships, that kind of thing. So uh, Koi had a habit of doing that with a number of their games. The first game would come out, and then they come out, and then and a while later they'd release a sequel uh, with just some additional additional stuff added on to it. I suppose you could say that they were doing that, uh, like they're doing that like the Dynasty, doing that like the Dynasty, like the like the Dynasty Dynasty Warrior games. So. So, um, at first blush, this is a combination strategy slash slash simulation game. Uh, you are playing uh, the game either either taking the role of the United States or Japanese military forces. Your primary command, as the, as the title suggests, is naval forces only. There are army forces that are available in the game, but you do not have to, do not have direct, direct control over them. In fact, you and the army chief are often sometimes at odds with one another, especially especially during the conference meetings, which we'll talk about here like in a little bit. So. Uh, it's kind of interesting, like in that aspect. You do have control of air forces, though. Both the navy and the army had, during this time period, had air forces that were directly available to them. So you have that like going in your favor. So the game has nine scenarios. Uh, the first, the, uh, only the first one is a complete full game of, of war scenarios. The other eight scenarios uh, start you off at various, at various uh, famous historical battles that happened during the course of the war. So the first scenario, as I said, is the main game. It starts you off on November first, nineteen forty-one, and you can and you can play one player, two player, or no player. Just watch the computer. Just watch the computer. Computer players go up go up against one another, like you so choose. Um, November first, nineteen forty-one is a little bit is a little is a bit a month earlier before Pearl Harbor. 
Pearl Harbor happened on December 7, 1941, which is, of course, when the Japanese attacked American naval forces at Pearl Harbor, and the United States declared war on Japan, on Japan in response. So because, because this happened before the war, you can choose exactly when to start the war. You get to save the bulk of your forces, like your, the bulk of your forces, if you're playing, if you're playing on the U.S. But even with that in your favor, the Japanese still vastly are superior to the American forces at the start of the, start of the game, because the train's better, the equipment's better, uh, they have better ships, like uh, better ships overall. But as the war progresses, and American military production uh, gets in the gear, the tide could definitely turn. That said, this game is a little bit unrealistic in the sense that Japan can actually win a major a major strategic victory against the United States in this game. Historically, though, historically that was never going to happen. Uh, no matter how well no matter how well that Japan did, especially after Pearl Harbor, the American will to fight and the wariness to carry through carry through of things was absolute and total. So there's no way the Japanese the Japanese were going to be able to win the war in favorable terms for them. But this game, while being very realistic, also does allow you to bend history in that sense, in that sense, and that you dictate how the, dictate how the war happens, and you can win the game by completely victory of Japan if you want to. Reflecting that. The map, of, the map of the Pacific is quite large. Uh, it shows most of North America, including the, the including some cities uh, like on the East Coast, the Panama Canal, some parts of some parts of South America. It shows all the Pacific. It shows it shows Australia, New Zealand. It shows Asia all the way up to India, um, and it also shows like some like some Russian cities as cities as well. In the main game, you achieve victory by either occupying all sixty-five sea bases uh, sea ba- that are in the game. Or by sinking, you know, or by sinking like all your enemy ships. For the other, for, for the other scenarios in the game, uh, one of which, the uh, one of which is Pearl Harbor, one of which is Midway, one of which is Okinawa, so on, so on. There are uh, there are specific conditions that are given to you at the start of the, the start of the game, and you have to achieve at least one of them uh, to be able to win that scenario. Scenarios are good to learn how to play the game, particularly the Pearl Harbor one, uh, and they're also good for quicker games because the main game takes about I'd say about forty hours of game time to be able to complete the main game. Uh, there is of course a save feature. You have two you have, uh, you, have you have two slots available to you. The controls are the controls are pretty good. Uh, you need the manual first to learn to learn what everything does, but everything navigates like and navigates like very easily. All the buttons in the control are used, and it's not really all that hard to get the hang of. What will require you to set some time to get the hang of is the gameplay. As I said, this is a very deep and engaging game. Uh, at first blush, it can look a little bit a little bit overwhelming, but the game follows a very basic, simple like simple like simple game flow, which you get the hang of. So as long as you're willing to spend to spend some time on this and kind of get the kind of get the feel of things, you're able to, you're able to pick things up uh, like about too much hassle. Um, the game flow, as I said, is the game happens every day. Um, Every day you have the option to, to, to supply or fix fleets uh, that are in port. You issue orders uh, to fleets that are currently at sea, and, and fleets can and fleets can leave port or enter port. Um, and then you're also and you're also moving and you're also moving fleets around. You appoint admirals to command your fleets. You have direct control like over your fleets. Uh, fleets can consist of ships ranging from aircraft carriers, battleships, cruisers. There are no heavy or light cruisers. They're just cruisers or cruisers in this game. Uh, destroyers. There's also transports that carry troops, uh, particularly army troops, because army troops are the ones that are the ones that are the ones that are going to be doing a lot of, that are going to be doing like a lot of combat. 
you can uh, toward the end of the day, uh, you also receive reports like from your reports like your scout planes and from your submarines. And there's also a, the, the, and navigation happens after your turns are entered, and battle can also be entered at that phase. Uh, battle can take place of either a sea battle in which you in which you get to navigate and control your fleet against enemy ships uh, and attack them with attack them with a. Uh, with a, a gun torpedo, and later on in the game, if you develop the t- technology, um, a missile attacks. There's also there's also air attacks where you can use air, airplanes to attack uh, enemy ships or enemy bases, and there's also uh, submarine attacks that can happen that, that, that can happen as well. Um, then the next day starts, and so on, and so on. And at the end of it, it's, it's the end of every month, uh, major major events happen. You also uh, you also you also have. Um, uh, strategic decisions you did earlier, such as like ports being expanded, ships being built, coming online, ex- ships being repaired, etc., also taking place at that time. And there's also a military conference, which we'll talk about here like a little bit. So the main point of the game, obviously, is to win the Pacific War. And for that purpose, you are obligated to just simply try to command your fleets as best you can. Um, you want to help the army out if you can. You are kind of a you're kind of at odds with the army, which kind of reflects the real situation that happened during the war, particularly particularly on the Japanese side. Um, Roosevelt and the like in the Joint Chiefs of Staff kind of had to hobble together compromise between the army and navy commands during the war, which kind of worked roughly, but it did work. Um, you directly control a base by occupying it with troops on your side. Usually, usually, but usually you have to soften it up some by making sure enemy fleets around the area are defeated, or like and by attacking it like of airplanes. Um, you can also help an army take over bases, and you do want the army to expand some as well. But if the army takes over a base, you don't have you have you don't have direct control over it. If you take over a base that was Navy side, you you get to you get to, you get to issue direct commands, such as doing expansion of the, the uh, of the airfields, expansion of the port facilities, repairing ships, expanding ships, um, moving troops in, moving troops out, placing airplanes, uh, they're placing airplane squadrons there for defense, like for for defense, like a patrol. Uh, airplanes and carriers can do patrol or can do patrol or attack or cap missions. Um, there are random events that can happen. That can happen, such as uh, 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 such as disease happening in your ships, and you having to quarantine them for a while. You can you can have feasts uh, feasts on your ships to help to, to help to raise morale. You want to make sure your fleets don't run out of fuel or supplies, like as you're moving around the Pacific. Um, so uh, a lot of a lot of commands that you issue a lot of commands that, that you issue to the game. Obviously, you're not going to issue every command uh, to your, to all your fleets every day. So once you actually get the flow of things and, and get and get things going, you turns go pretty quick. You because you're only issuing maybe like five or six commands uh, uh, like that the course of the game. So it's good. Like the game's got that going in your favor. Graphics are very good. Uh, they're very Super NES. Uh, they're very 16-bit. Uh, they're nice and detailed and sharp. If you let the game play, uh, there's a very nice uh, intro track sequence that was showed made of famous ships on um, both sides of the war. It has some nice music. It has some nice, it has some nice music. Music plays. Um, the the, uh, the 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 small touches in the game with shell uh, with shell splashes and airplanes diving to attack and machine guns firing with nice sound effects are all very well done. Music is very good. Uh, there's basically two main pieces: one Japanese, one American, which both sound very appropriate appropriate to their side. And there's also combat music and air and air theme music, music and music that's played, as well as a military conference music. Um, the uh, 
uh, the uh, the actual the the difficulty curve I'd rate to the game as being medium. It's not super complex. You do have to spend some time with the manual probably, which you can find online pretty easily enough. Um, and trying to, and trying to learn how things do. But once you get the hang of it, um, the game is pretty easy to operate. I think it, it has a surprising amount of replay value because of the whole there's a, there's a whole wide a whole wide of things that you can do during the course of the game and whatnot uh, that all work in your favor. So, um. I mentioned the military conference earlier. This is a very interesting, unique part of the game, particularly, particularly so. What happens with this is that, is, is, that, is that every month, start of the month, there is a conference that's held on your side. And you, as the commander of the naval forces, attend. Um, and there are four of the people who are there at the conference. I'm going to use the Americans, the Americans as the representative for, like, for this side. There is the president, who is the final, who's the final say-all on things, of course, um, as his as role in commander-in-chief. There's you, commander of the naval forces. There's the commander of the army forces. There's the secretary of war, which is now the secretary of defense. And there's also the secretary of treasury. And this kind of plays out in like a card game, actually. It's very interesting to describe. Um, what happens is that there's various, there's various issues that are raised uh, that are raised in the military conference. Uh, these issues tend to, tend, tend, to stay, tend to stay the same from month to month. Um, you're, you're told to everybody, the president puts, the president puts forward an issue and all of you get to, and all of you get to debate it and then you, like, then you vote on it and whichever, and whichever, whichever, so whichever side has the most votes carry, carries that. And that's, and that's what the policy for that issue is dictated on during, during the course of that month. So if the issues can range from, um, how much money should be allocated to the GMP, how much money should be allocated toward the naval budget, the army budget, um, negotiations that should be done, like in various nations in the game, because you can also you can also declare war on nations, try to sign alliances of nations, exchange exchange tech or resources of nations, that kind of stuff. Um, objectives that should be obtained by military forces during the next month, and so on. So, you obviously are trying to look out the best the best interest, the best interest of the navy here, but you don't want to be greedy, and you also want to try to realize that the interest of the nation as a whole, particularly the Japanese, because their because their budget's a lot more tighter uh, than the uh, than the uh, than the American than the American one is. So you don't want to starve the army of money, for example. You don't want to cripple the GMP. You want to do things to help the nation out as a whole, while also trying to maintain your best interest for the navy, because the more resources you get. The more fun it is to play, frankly. So, um, as I said, this as I said, voting is kind of voting debating is resolved in the issue of cards. Uh, you are assigned seven cards at the start of each, at the start the start of each, at the start of, uh, of each conference, and various players and various other players in the game, the other people in the attending the conference that is also have a very very number of cards. The cards are random, and you earn. Uh, different cards uh, this, at the start of the, at the start like of each phase, and the cards do different things. I just like you know, um, uh, end debate right now, which is good if you have a, if you have enough votes to vote to carry your side of the issue. Uh, ex- extend debate to give you like more time. Uh, persuade somebody else to see your side of the issue. Force them to see your side of the issue, and so on and so on. And you can also there's also cards issued to, to issue to, to issue new proposals. Uh, in case you don't like any of the proposals that are currently being suggested, but suggested the conference by the president, so there's a timer. There's a timer at the start of the screen, um, at the bottom of the screen also, and it, it, each player goes around clockwise. They they have a turn to play a card, and that card will determine what happens. Um, 
will have will influence what happens with like with like that phase. So as I said, there's different proposals put put, put forward for for each issue, and you're trying to if you're not suggesting an issue, you're trying to you're trying to vote you're trying to sway votes to the issue that you like the best. So once enough time has passed. Uh, and the clock reaches zero. The president will have the president will call for a vote, and whichever side carries the most issues will be the one that carries out the issue. So, with the president, the president like holding on tie-breaking votes. So, it's a really interesting, unique aspect of gameplay. I've never seen I've never seen a strategy game have this kind of have the kind of aspect before. So it does introduce an element of luck because the fact you don't really know what card you're going to have uh, or get as the as, or get as the phase goes on, and you may want to save just before the the conference good the conference starts in case you in case you go about it badly. You have the choice of not attending the conference, like if you don't want to, if you if, like if you just want the AI to decide things for you, uh, so you can totally skip that phase that 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 phase uh, that phase if you wish, um, and or uh, or you can just send. Uh, uh, or you can send somebody to attend, attend your steed, which means basically that you'll see the results that happen, but you won't have any direct, direct say over it. Regardless of what happens to conflict or not, this at the end of the month is also when important events happen, like I said earlier. Uh, ships that you ordered will come online uh, after the appropriate, appropriate uh, amount of construction time has passed. Repaired ships will, well, major renovations are, uh, and major repairs of ships will happen during this time. Uh, bases, bases will expand. Uh, resources and money, uh, and money like will be issued, like will be issued, like will be issued toward you. Uh, technology will, re, uh, will, uh, will be discovered and research will happen at this point. So the end of the, so like the end of the month is very, is a very important, is a very important time uh, when most of the major, when most of the major, major things happen. So and the game goes on in this man, and the game goes on in this manner. Uh, if you're playing scenario, the scenario end after one or after one player achieves at least one of the objectives. Uh, that they decided upon at the start of the um, start of this uh, scenario. You don't need to pick a scenario, by the way. Uh, there's two or three scenarios given to you, and as long as you win one, as long as you achieve one of those scenarios, like you win the like win the scenario. The long game, as said earlier, will end when will either player either occupies all 65 C bases, um, sorry, 45 C bases, or when or like or, like or, or when you've sunk like all the opposing ships. So. Um, this is a really fun game. In hindsight, uh, it's very deep. It's very challenging. It's it's a good compromise between a very sophisticated, complicated PC game uh, and a very like a very presentable, attractive-looking console game. It's deep without really being terribly difficult. Like I said, there's a learning curve, but if you're willing to put but if you're willing to put the time and effort into it, it's a very very fun game. It's still one I play on a regular basis. Um, if you enjoy strategy or simulation games at all, I highly recommend checking this game out. I think it's far superior like the original game, um, and it's a very engaging, deep game that's a lot of fun to play. Uh, and some very good uh, uh, walkthroughs and, uh, and YouTube's uh, like online also, like as far as the game goes. So I couldn't find any cheat, cheat to tips like this game, uh, which is typical for Kawhi games. So um, the best thing I can recommend is just simply just. Looking at the menu online, trying one of these scenarios, especially the Pearl Harbor one, just to kind of get a feel for the game, and then and then after you've got your feet wet with a couple of scenarios, going into the game is a full size uh, scenario. The U.S. side obviously is the easier one to play because they because they definitely have they definitely have the advantage as the game goes on. So if you're the Japanese player, you need to attack very aggressively and very hard. Use your superiority in ships and attack at the beginning of the, like the, beginning of the game. To try to take it to, to take as much as you can and do as much damage to the American side as possible. So um, because of the fact this game is was not a huge seller, there are not very there, there are not very many copies of the game uh, available or recently sold on eBay.
I expected this. I was just a little bit surprised to see exactly how few copies of the game is sold. Uh, the game's out there. It's not, it's not terribly expensive, but but, um, but there's not a but there's not a ton of there are a ton of choices out there as far as copies go. I only found seven copies of the game currently selling, and five copies of the game recently sold uh, in like in the last like nine days. So this is specifically the Super NES version, of course. Um, I only found card only. Uh, no CIB copies of this game, which again, which again, kind of reflects the overall uh, obscurity and unpopularity of the game. Uh, definitely being a very niche game out there, like I said. Uh, the selling price of the cards would include shipping, ranging from nine to twenty-six dollars. So pretty, so pretty cheap, pretty reasonable to add to add to your collection if you want to. So, um, in hindsight, thank you again for listening to this, listening to this uh, podcast. Um, uh, I endeavored to try to cover a wide range of games. I hadn't, I hadn't talked about a sort of strategy or simulation game for a while. And this game, as I said, is a sentimental favorite of mine. I definitely have played, uh, I play this game a lot. I put a lot of time, a, a lot of time, like into it. And it's very great to see the Super NES really reflective of a wide range of topics and genres on it uh, over the course of its lifetime. So I'm glad games like this out here exist for it. As I said, uh, the next episode, George is going to be joining me as permanent co-host. Uh, I don't know what game we're going to be covering. We've talked about a few games, but we, but, but we haven't hammered down a choice yet. Um, hopefully, that episode will be out Christmas weekend. So, thank you, thank you, everybody out there for listening to the podcast. I want to thank, like, I want to thank my new sponsor um, again, Jerry at GRI Rig for his, his support and appreciation of the podcast um, and for the generous support that he has given me and to. And also for being very kind, offer the coupon code and the contest for all of you for all of you folks. I highly, highly recommend the Gavi the Gavi check the Gavi check the contest the contest out. So thank you again, thank you for your support of the podcast. If you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, etc., feel free to contact me either on the, either on the Facebook page or you can also send me an email directly to at snespodcast@yahoo.com. Uh, thanks again. Oh, I and I, I hope everybody like has a happy holidays and take care. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.